Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Chillinoy Podcast. If you've been listening, you know that I've been talking about House Bill 1443 um, and some of the new changes that have come with it. Um, one of them, if you haven't heard the final episodes, um, is the fact that this bill removed the requirement that medical cannabis patients um, are required to select a single dispensary. Although the requirement to identify a single dispensary was temporarily lifted, temporarily lifted on June 25th, 2021, following the go-live of the new medical cannabis registry system, the signing of this bill into law makes that change permanent. While the current online application still requires a dispensary selection, patients no longer need to use the online system to change change dispensaries, and you will be able to purchase cannabis at any medical cannabis dispensary regardless of which dispensary is identified in the online system. Illinois Department of Health is working to have the field uh, removed soon, and medical patient quantity limits will continue to be enforced. So that was one of the main changes that came um, with the passage of this law. Another thing that I talked about was the fact that um, resealable, and I believe the word inaccessible, were added um, to the language regarding uh, transportation of cannabis. So I, th- I thought that language was pretty nice. One of the mistakes I made uh, was pointing out um, language that I thought was new. Um, I learned a little bit of lesson in law. It turns out that when a law is amending another law, the new <laughs> here we go i'm probably failing the test see this is why um, i'm trying to take a step back a little bit so that you guys can get information and maybe only filter information through um, credible more credible or authoritative sources um, i don't want to mislead anybody um, but what i've come to understand is that if the language is new it's underlined none of the language that i covered in the episode uh, two episodes ago uh, was new language. Um, and I, I thought that may have been the case, but um, we had a state representative of the 14th District of Illinois reach out to us. Her name is Kelly Cassidy. You may have heard of her. Um, she played an instrumental role in the passing uh, in helping pass the CRTA, which uh, ultimately legalized the sale uh, and cultivation of adult use cannabis. Um, She chimed in and uh, on one of my posts and basically said that this language was inserted into the original adult use bill as a last-minute demand by then-speaker Michael Madigan in 2019. It is is modeled after existing law in which precincts in Chicago are able to hold referenda to vote themselves, quote, dry. In this instance, the options are, are to prohibit cannabis businesses, prohibit home grow, or both. To my knowledge... There haven't been any precinct-level referenda to date. It applies only to the city of Chicago and requires folks to collect valid voter signatures to get to even get on the ballot. So thank you, Representative Cassidy, for correcting the record. And overall, folks, again, the like I said in the last episode, the lesson I want you to take home is uh, to always do your own research when you're hearing anything in media. Try to validate what people are saying against, um, you know, what other people are saying, right? <laughs> vet your sources, vet the information. In retrospect, what I should have done, I think, is looked at that language and tried to see if that language existed in the original CRTA. If I would have done that, I would have realized that it wasn't new language. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I don't know. If you guys can't tell, I'm really kicking myself for doing that. It, it, some of you may not think it's that big of a deal, but when I was talking about it, um, which I mean, at the end of the day, people learned something, so I'm I'm happy. I didn't point out something that was completely wrong. Um, I pointed out something that people didn't know about and learned about, but the way that I framed it by saying that it was new language, and I think I. I know on social media I said the language was, quote, snuck in. And I think in the podcast I kind of made the allusion uh, to the fact that maybe it was kind of pushed in under the radar. It sounds like that was true, but my timing was off. Um, Sounds like, you know, the language was inserted into the original adult use bill as a last-minute demand by then-speaker Michael Madigan in 2019, according to Representative Kelly Cassidy. But... Um, it, it's not it's not new language. It's also not been enforced. Um, and if if you guys are wondering why I'm kicking myself over what may seem like small you know small things, it's because I saw a few people getting like really angry on social media and using the information that I released, and they were like fermenting at the mouth, and not really. I'm exaggerating, but. You know, they were getting really mad and upset, and they were using what I said about it. And I was like, I've, I admittedly glanced at that, found it, kind of made an assumption as to what it was because it was included in a new bill. So I figured it was new language. I don't know anything about law, though. So when I shared that information, the way I shared it, that was not the most <laughs> conducive way or productive way or the right way to share that information. We could we could have just learned about it, um, and instead I, I kind of took an angle on it that wasn't necessarily a, a true angle. So, um, yeah, I'm going to do my best not to do that anymore. I'm going to do my best to cross my T's and dot my I's. Um, but I wanted to do a follow-up podcast so that you guys knew uh, what actually had happened with regard to that. Um, another thing that has happened, which I actually just went through the process of doing, I've not seen the final result just yet. Um, let's see if I can get it to pull up. I just recertified my cannabis card and part of, um, something that was signed into law recently was that nice. My renewal is completed. Um, part of what came into law recently, and, and I couldn't tell you which law made this official, but physicians are able to certify you as a lifelong patient. Now, <laughs> I need to correct the record on something else, because in the past, I said that this was coming. Now it now it's here, right? And so that's great. Um, but it is not what I thought it was. So, so yes, your physician can certify you as a lifelong patient, and that means that you do not, if you're certified as a lifelong patient, that doesn't, that means you don't have to get a new certification every three years, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to pay for a card every three years. And I know that seems stupid, but it's, it's true. It's the way that it is, um, from what I can tell, I mean, at least that's it, the way that it is. Honestly, I talked to my doctor about it. Um, he he was under the impression that it was 
uh, for life and that, that you wouldn't need to buy it on a one, two, or three-year basis. But I reached out to Bob Morgan, um, Representative Bob Morgan, who is actually, I believe, the person that's, that had this signed into law. Um, oh, you know what? I think this was all part of the Sunset Bill, which made the cannabis program permanent. So these things have been um, in the making for quite some time. I need to follow up with Bob Morgan on uh, something that was... Uh, I'll talk about something else that, that hasn't yet happened yet. But this is been something that's been cooking for a while, right? So in the press release that Bob um, created, it was called Reauthorizing and Improving the Compassionate Use of the Medical Cannabis Program. One of the bullet points that it was describing key changes uh, that were delivered by the bill, it says uh, it removes the 2020 sunset. And if you guys didn't know about the 2020 sunset, before before 2020, the program was called the Medical Cannabis Pilot Program. Before that, I believe it was called the Compassionate Use of Medical Cannabis Program, or maybe it was all under that umbrella. But either way, the word pilot program was in the name of the program. Um, oh, here it is. The Compassionate Use of Medical Cannabis Pilot Program Act. So it is all under one umbrella. The pilot program allowed the use of cannabis for a limited number of medical issues and placed significant regulatory burden burdens on patients. Um, the pilot program was slated for automatic repeal on July 1st, 2020. And this is from the press release. It is in the interest of the state of Illinois and participating patients for the pilot program to be reauthorized. Um, and basically, um, oh, this is what it's about to say. Implementing the following changes will lead to a stable and robust permanent program that will enhance the quality of life of patients, even if adult use of cannabis is legalized. Besides the fact that we haven't actually seen that play out, um, that, is, that is kind of the trajectory of the program. It started as the pilot program. This law that Bob Morgan drafted, which I don't even, I don't even see the, the bill number right now. So I, I apologize, but this is, you know, this is the Chillinoy podcast, so <laughs> welcome. Um, to my point, though, this bill removed the 2020 sunset and the renewal process for patients with lifelong medical conditions, okay? So that makes it sound like you, if it removes the renewal process for patients with lifelong medical conditions, one would assume that you would no longer have to renew your card. Well... I asked Bob, and he said, um, if I'm understanding your question correctly, IDPH fees will continue on a one, two, or three-year renewal basis as status quo. He said actually, and I don't, I don't understand what he means by this, but he said actually now 50% less because of the new IDPH rulemaking. I don't know what what he means by that. I don't know if we mean, do we just need to do it six years now? No idea. But he said, the only thing changing is the physician certification frequency. Lifelong condition patients only need to have a doctor sign off one time. So um, what that means is when your card, if, if your doctor puts you as a lifelong condition, 
when your card expires, no matter what, you're going to be able to recertify it for one to three years. Now, I voiced that I think I, I, I can actually um, read you the message that I sent Bob. Uh, we've got a private message chain. I said, hey, not that you asked, but I feel like this idea is worthy of being added to your proposal in veto session or in the spring session. Patients with lifelong conditions should not have to pay fees to the state every one, two, or three years. As you said, when you shared early details of the bill that would refund medical cannabis patient programs, the medical cannabis program was not made as a for-profit program. Charging patients with lifelong conditions for a new card every one to three years seems wrong. Why, why not make the card never expire since the illness doesn't have an expiration date? I hope you're able to make this happen. It seems to fit in with what you're working for, and it truly seems like the right thing to do. Keep in touch. I always feel I always appreciate your friendly and timely responses. Um, he did not respond to that message. He just read it. Um, but I will be sending him another message because... So I will segue why I'm going to be sending him another message, but I wanted to wrap up this idea. So one of the newest things that is now live with the new system is the fact that you can be certified as a lifelong patient. Um, so I confirmed with my doctor that's an option on his side of the table. I also kind of taught him something along the way. I was telling him about what Bob Morgan said, and he was like, uh, what? I thought this, this meant that the card never expires, right? Well, wrong. It, uh, it does expire, but your certification doesn't, right? And so that, that's, that's the real key um, because, so for example, I just hit the end of my three years. I've been a patient for quite a while and um, just hit another three-year <laughs> period, which is when you require another certification every three years. Um, let me put it this way. If you got certified and you got your card for one year, you have the option to buy it for two more years, right? If you get certified as a without having a conversation with your physician, I mean, besides the fact that you need a bona fide relationship, but let's set that aside. You can certify for up to two more years without a conversation with your physician. Now, if you if you are designated as a lifetime patient, you can just certify it one to two to three years every time you are uh, every time you're up for renewal um, without any paperwork needed from your doctor. So it's progress, um, but it just kind of sucks. Uh, here's the other thing about it, though, um, that, that made it sting a little bit less because I was like, well, fuck. I thought, I thought I was about to pay the state of Illinois the medical cannabis program for the last time, right? Turns out, no, I'm going to have to pay them every three years or whatever. But they did lower the fees. So it used to be uh, $250 for three years. Now it is $125 for three years. That, that hurt a little bit less coming out of the wallet. I will say that. So there's at least that. Um, so I keep hinting that I've got a question for Bob Morgan, and you've probably heard me talk about this on the podcast, but part of the, um, part of this bill also I guess there was language in there that, that directed the Illinois Department of Public Health to establish guidelines permitting returns and refunds for damaged and inadequate products. 
Um, we've yet to see those rules come to light. And every time I've asked Bob Morgan about it, he said that he's, he has said that IDFPR is is drafting those rules and regulations. So I don't know why they're doing it when the the bill directs the Department of Health to do it. Um, but again, the highlight of the last few episodes is that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I'm trying to connect these dots for you folks so that maybe you can learn something along the way. All right. I've got one more story for you, and it comes from our friend at the Chicago Sun-Times. You might know him. His name's Tom Shuba, and his latest headline is Jackpot, Hundreds of Firms Now Vying for Permits in Pot Shop Lotteries. Um, After a year of turmoil, Illinois is finally on the verge of dishing out precious new pot shop permits, and hundreds of groups are now in the running. The first of three lotteries for 185 total dispensary licenses is set for Thursday, with the others scheduled next month. Toy Hutchinson, Governor J.B. Pritzker's chief advisor on cannabis, told reporters Wednesday that 626 of the more than 900 applicant groups qualified for the first drawing, which will determine uh, the winners of 55 licenses. So 626 of those applicant groups qualified for the first drawing. The Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation is expected to publicly announce those finalists at some point on Wednesday. That's this Wednesday. Today's the 28th. That's going to be on the 4th. It's right around the corner, people. The second drawing will include 589 contestants from the original applicant group, Hutchinson said, but the final number of participants in the third lottery has not been set yet. So, she basically is quoted in Tom Shuba's Chicago Sun-Times article as saying, Our goal is to give this opportunity to as many people as possible, she said, noting that 97... <laughs> That's laughable. She said, noting that 97% of the finalists qualified as social equity applicant, a- applicants, those given a leg up in the process in an effort to diversify the white-dominated pot industry. It doesn't matter who they are, per se, just that we end up with an industry that looks different than it does today added Hutchinson, though she couldn't provide demographic information for the applicants. If all goes as planned, which largely hasn't happened so far, uh, Thursday's lottery will mark the beginning of the end of a lengthy imbroglio that has marred Pritzker's first term in office. I don't know what that word means, Tom Shuba, but that's a good word that you threw in there. Uh, The licensing rollout previously came to a grinding halt last September when state officials announced that just 21 of the applicant groups had earned the perfect scores needed to secure the spots in the long-delayed lottery for what was then limited to just 75 upcoming permits. And as you may recall, the announcement prompted protests, lawsuits, and intense scrutiny of the firms tapped for the lottery, some of which included white partners with political connections and deep pockets. That revelation caused much consternation among jilted minority applicants who claimed state officials had fallen woefully short of their lofty diversity goals. Pritzker's administration ultimately bowed to the pressure, and he announced a supplementary scoring period aimed at expanding the pool of finalists. On Wednesday, Hutchinson said the number of perfect applicants has now jumped to 133. Um, Seeking to include even more of the applicants, a group of social equity candidates banded together this year and helped draft legislation that added 110 more licenses. Pritzker signed it earlier this month, the same day officials announced the lotteries to dish out 
all the new permits. For those who won spots in the lottery Wednesday after they were previously shut out, the news was encouraging, although they still have misgivings about how the process is playing out. Here's a quote from our friend Michael Malcolm. I'm exhausted mentally and emotionally just from fighting. It feels like I've been fighting for two years. Well, you basically have. <laughs> um, he says, I just want to see through, see it through and just let the chips fall where they may. Uh, the Illinois Lottery is conducting all the upcoming drawings, but they won't resemble the old televised segments with balls bouncing around a tumbler. Instead, an automated computer system will identify random numbers previously assigned to applicants, after, and after a series of audits, IDFPR will match the winning numbers with the corresponding applicants and make the results public later in the day. Thursday's drawing for 55 licenses created under the new law will include applicant groups that receive 85% of the total applicant scores. The lower cut, cut score was adopted to ensure that teams didn't receive bonus points for having a military veteran. Uh, it was basically, yeah, to try to take that out of the equation because people were making the argument that people, military veterans typically aren't social equity candidates. Um, however, the lottery will include firms that qualified as social equity applicants through a controversial provision of the legalization law derided by critics as the slave master clause. Under that provision, groups earned crucial social equity points by hiring a workforce made up of individual, individuals who qualify for that designation, either by living in an area ravaged by past drug policies or having a pot offense on their record. The second lottery is set for August 5th. Okay, I think I got something wrong then, but let's just continue <laughs> reading this article because I don't know. The, uh, the second lottery set for August 5th includes groups that met the same scoring threshold and have a majority owner that checks one of those boxes. The final lottery scheduled for August 19th will issue the 75 delayed licenses to applicants with perfect scores. During Wednesday's press briefing, Hutchinson claimed the state is now back on track to meet its lofty goal of, of bolstering racial equity in the state's booming business. When you talk about impacting an in entire community that was hit hardest, hardest hit by the war on drugs, there was a feeling that you wanted as many people as possible to have it, at least have a chance. So we're very excited about making such a big jump. Um, if, if you guys were wondering why I was laughing, because she said multiple times, or at least was quoted multiple times in this article, is saying that she wanted the most people to have, uh, most people as possible to at least have a chance. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And that, you know, this whole thing sounded nice, right? Um, trying to right the wrongs of history. And it is. It is nice if we could do that. Um, but I argue that the way we did this is not... That's not getting close to it. Um, yeah, I, I saw this good quote uh, from an older video, actually, of, of a cannabis industry lawyer. You know him as Cannabis Legalization News. I actually want to see if I can't play a, a little segment of that off of my phone here because I think I got it right here. Social equity justice involved applicant lottery for those 55 licenses, oh. and they could, in theory, win. Let me scroll up a little bit more. Talk about freedom, opportunity, and of course, justice. 
Illinois has taken all of its people, almost 13 million, and screened out over 99% from eligibility of ever being awarded a cannabis dispensary license. See what happens when you attempt to control the supply of licenses? Prices go up, lawsuits follow, legislative fixes benefit a very specific group of people, and the unlawful sale of cannabis in the streets continues. If your policy goal is to eradicate the illegal market, then license caps are not the right tool to accomplish that goal. They will greatly inflate the price of doing business. But enough pontificating, let's get back to HB 1440. All right, so yeah, if you guys want to see that whole video, um, again, well said, Tom. Um, it's his breakdown of HB 1443 which is what we've been talking about so if you if you want to hear it <laughs> hey speaking of hearing it from somebody that knows what they're talking about check out that fucking video and check out Tom's uh, Tom Miggy and Lauren's uh, channel cannabis legalization news on YouTube it's great I should watch it more because then maybe maybe I'd be relaying more accurate information but again I uh, really like how he said that and and I actually want to go attribute this thought a little bit to vintage buds um i don't know if you guys have listened to the podcasts i've done with him but in one of the few episodes i've done with him um he basically said that we're trying and i'm going to try to put this in a nutshell he said we're trying to address inequities uh, which are you know mainly caused by a exclusive group getting act, getting exclusive access to everything. And so in order to combat that, we're creating another exclusive group with, you know, limited access. It, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I truly believe that if we had a more open licensing approach, um, cheaper licensing fees, just like they do in Oklahoma, you pay $2500, you get a, you get a license. I believe that's for a dispensary. A cultivation license might be a little bit more expensive, um, but but the idea is you pay the money, you get the license, and I think that to wrap up my de- my idea that if we would have taken that approach, Miss Toy Hutchinson, we would have seen a, a a more diverse cannabis market in in Illinois. But as it stands, the current license holders have more or less been the license holders you know some of them have sold off and other players have moved into the state um but yeah i mean if you want to if you want the cannabis industry to be all colors give everybody a shot give everybody a shot to participate so i really think that the limited licensing approach is what is is causing most of these problems it's it's uh, like I said, it's a state sponsor, and like I've said in the past, this isn't a quote that I came up with. I think I saw it on Reddit or something. But this is a this is a state sponsored oligopoly. <laughs> Nobody can do anything without the state's permission, and the state has limits on itself on what permissions it can give. And by that, I mean there are license limits. So even if even if these licenses start coming out and getting awarded, there's a there is a legal limit to how many licenses there can be awarded in the state of Illinois. And hey, I'm not an economist. Maybe that's maybe that's okay. Um, maybe there maybe there does need to be a limit. 
But what I'm arguing is right now, the limit that we have and the barriers to entry and just the fucking red tape that's been involved, this is a problem. (laughs) It needs to change. And I get why the people involved are wanting to see this thing through because, you know, they started the process. Let's see it through. But we need to open this this market up. It cannot, in my opinion, continue this way. It should not continue. It could continue this way, I guess. It's been it's been continuing. It's been trudging along. People still paying for sixty dollar eighths, eighty dollar eighths, whatever it fucking is now. I don't know. I don't go there. Um. So I guess it could continue, but should it? I argue no. And I think that's a good place to stop uh, for this podcast. So I hope I didn't lead anybody astray today. Don't be don't be posting my shit with emotions, people. Don't be posting my shit with emotions, please. If you're gonna like get upset about something, credit credit a source that's more credible than me, please. <laughs> It'll do your. It'll do you. Uh, it'll do me a favor, mental health wise. It'll also do yourself a favor and coming across as a credible person. Don't. <laughs> you're almost coming off crying wolf if you're if you're citing the Chillinoy podcast. So, um, thank you for listening. I appreciate you citing us. By the way, that's. I take it as a compliment, but don't do that anymore, people. Don't do that. <laughs> So I will see you guys on the next episode. Smoke weed every day.